All right, it's been a big, big week for Inappropriate Earl, the great Roger Caps of Pat Benatar, dropping in where I could sing Shadows of the Night with the man who wrote the song. And, uh, you know, the bad guy from Superman 2, people are still talking about that interview. And, uh, you know, many more. You know, I ask a lot of people to come. Some don't, some do. Uh, I asked Peter Horton to come down and talk about the great movie Side Out. He's on the fence, but I think I can work him. And, uh, of course, the drummer from Rat told me no. So these guys should be happy there's someone asking them in 2016. But sorry, Bobby Blotzer, for bothering you. But today I have a guest who, you know, I used to see this guy dance at King Games. And I thought, God, this guy seems like a dick. You could just see him on the Jumbotron, <laughs> just pumping up the crowd. And then uh, we met at one of those uh, King Booster Club uh, type meetings, the LA Kings, for those of you not knowing what I'm talking about, not the Sacramento Kings. And I found him to be one of the nicer dudes I've ever met. So don't judge a book by its cover. He's done it all in the world of Hollywood. He's acted, casting director, and now a manager. And don't Facebook him your shitty reels, my comedy friends. He's a little bit higher level. Put your hands together for my good friend, Mr. Matt Barry. What's up? Uh, I want to clear one thing up. Uh, Please do. Uh, uh, first of all, I am a dick. So I just. <laughs> Not really. But I mean, I just. <laughs> and now they got that guy. Listen, I don't know how you feel about this, and I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah, I can edit anything out. I try not to. But now they got the kid with Down syndrome hyping up the crowd. I mean, I get it, but it's a little like, I don't know, something about me. Just this is wrong. Uh, I'm not going there, Earl. <laughs> okay, no problem. <laughs> I'm not going there. You know, listen, any anybody who can, who can pump up a crowd, uh, God bless them. You know, it's... It's it, 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 the whole thing about Dancing Boy. For those of you who are listening and don't know what the hell we're talking about, um, there was there was nothing to do back at the forum when the Kings just sucked during the you know Vitaly Yakmanev Ray Ferraro days. There was nothing to do but drink a lot and just have a good time. And there were just a handful of us you know diehard hockey fans. And basically, by the third period, I was pretty loaded. And the the fun part, they played some song, and I just get up and start dancing like an idiot. Um, and then the fun part was people would throw trash and try and hit me. And if you hit me, then you were the winner in that section for that night. So that was kind of the joke. Now, this is at the forum. This is at the forum. So, of course, you know, we made friends with all the King's Brass, and uh, they were building Staples Center, and we, we, we said, uh, hey, you know, can we all get a section together? Because we're off. We all became good friends in the, in, the, in the colonnade. And they built the Staples Center, and they gave us all Section 119. And so we were all like, we're like, oh, wow, this is great. So, of course, what happens? You know, the first couple of games, they play the stupid song. And they're like, get up and dance, monkey boy. And I'm like, no, no, come on. We're, you know, we're in Beverly Hills now. You know, it's like, I'm like, a, they were like, shut the hell up and dance or we're going to kill you. So, of course, I get up like an idiot and I start dancing. And you have to understand, it is the worst dancing imaginable. Just imagine, imagine a white boy horribly, horribly dancing. And that's me. Yeah, but at least you have your faculties. <laughs> yeah, well, that, wow. Um, uh, again, I'm not going there. 
So I get up there. I start doing it. Fred Rogan from NBC Sports gets gets a hold of it, and he calls me up. And and you know, again, I'm a big time casting director at this point. And he says, "I want to do a piece on you." I'm like, "Hell no!" I was like, "You just you know, you're gonna make fun of me." You know, here's a big you know Hollywood guy. He's you know he's he, you know he gets loaded and dances at the games. And I'm like, absolutely, absolutely not. No way, no how. But he keeps he keeps calling. His producers keep calling. They're like, we really want to do a story. Then the LA Times calls me and they go, we want to do a piece on you for the Sunday section. And I'm like, oh, God. And of course, the Kings are encouraging it because it's great publicity for them. And this, again, this is b- before we start to get really, really good. The Palfy days, I guess. Oh. So finally, I, I cave in and Fred Rogan you know, does, does this piece. He goes, no, no, we're going to do this really, really fun, you know, stupid piece for sweeps week. Great. So he comes to my office, you know, does some, some B roll. Then I go to, to, to his uh, office at NBC and I just make him get up and start doing the moves. And the crew is just effing loving it. And they call me up afterwards. They, they said, you have no idea how great you, you just made our lives because we have this over him forever. So they air the piece, and all of a sudden it blows up. Now, here's where the legend comes in. We finally make the playoffs, and we're playing the Red Wings. And the Red Wings are the first seed. The Kings, I think, are the eighth seed. And they're supposed to kick the shit out of us. Now, this is in the Stumple, Dead Marsh. Yeah. Yeah. Grimson. Uh, uh, Belanger. Um, uh, Norton? Was Norton around? Belanger. Eric Belanger. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, uh, we're about to be eliminated. I think it's game five or, 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 or six or, or the, yeah, I think it's game, game five. And we're about to be eliminated. We're losing three, nothing in the third period. And they play the freaking song. And I'm like, oh God, I'm going to get booed. It's just, this is just horrible. And I think right before they played it, um, Scott Thomas scored a goal to make, oh it, three, my God. To make it three to one. Scott Thomas. So, so I say, okay. So I say, what the hell? Let's give it a go. I whip the crowd into like this insane frenzy where it's just like, it's nuts. Even the players came up to me, you know, years later and, and said, yeah, we remember that. It was like, holy, cr-. they'd never heard Staples out loud. Whip the crowd into a frenzy. They come back from commercial. The place is going nuts. And then Stumple scores and Smolinski scores the tying goal. And then we win it in overtime which was like insane. And then of course we go on to win the next game and we, we eliminate them and go on to play Colorado. And it was just like, everyone came up there. It was like, it's all you, it's all you, it's all you, it's all you. It's just legendary. Um, and then, you know, as the years went on, it just became like more of a chore and I just kind of wanted to watch, watch the game. Right. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I, I think like the last time I did it was when we played, uh, when we eliminated Vancouver. Right. I just hate Vancouver fans. I hate Canucks fans. They're the worst. Uh, Boston I, fans are up there. But I, 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 I can actually tolerate Boston fans. It's Red Wing fans are the worst uh, at Staples Center. They invade. Oh, it's just, it's horrible. And it's like, and and none of them, not one of them can tell me who, who their captain was before Eiserman. That's tough. I mean, I'm a huge fan. I don't, oh boy. Uh, who was their captain? Danny Gare. Oh my God, Buffalo Saber, ex-Buffalo Saber. Yeah. Danny Gare. So, but it's, that's that's the, the greatest way to shut them up, um, you know. And who was your and who was your coach before Scotty Bowman? Oh, that's that's a T-ball, uh, Jacques Demers. <laughs> no, 
No, it was Murray. Murray, the the, the Murray, the, the the GM from uh, Brian Murray. Brian Murray, who I think just stepped down. Oh, did he? Or he, he's, he's uh, Maloney got fired from Phoenix. I, I heard that. I heard that. So that's the the legend of Dancing Boy. Have you have, have you tuned out yet? Is anybody? Is no, no, there? no, no. But listen, I mean, this could be a, a seven hour podcast because <laughs> I got to get into casting. I love. We're going to talk hockey first, but okay. I just you because you uh, were one of the uh, main casting uh, people, or maybe the main one for Con Air, right? I was indeed. Which I well, we'll talk about that movie for a second. I think. That movie was so perfectly cast. Just like every guy and girl fit in their role. Like Danny Trejo is the child. Johnny number 23 is the child molester. Right. You know, and uh, John Malkovich, he just really sunk his teeth in. But Marty McSorley is the (laughs) co-pilot. That's genius casting. It was was genius. It was nice to have him come into my office and and audition for the role. He had to audition for that? He did. He did. Now, when you have a uh, a non actor come in and audition, do you? Uh, I mean, wh- how good of an actor was he just on his natural ability? He's 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 not good. Sorry, Marty. He's just just wasn't great guy. No. We love him still. We love him to this day, and he, and we we see each other, and you know he goes, "Oh, con air." Uh. Um, but. Uh, yeah, not not a good actor. I think I think him and and Bobby Brown were probably the two uh, the two worst that I've that I've that I've. You seen. mean Bobby Brown, the girl I had on the podcast, or Whitney Houston's? No, Whitney uh, Houston's uh, uh, ex. Okay, but what makes a bad actor? Well, just just no no talent. I mean, you either have talent or you don't. It's like, look, I'm I'm a bad dancer. I have no talent. You know, it's like they they just they they're great hockey players. They're great musicians, but you know, no talent as an actor. Yeah, but that doesn't stop a lot of people. No, no, but I mean, and some people do have great talent. On the way over, I was listening to uh, Ice Cube, who I've done, you know, a couple of films for, and uh, you know, he just had just this natural ability. Uh, and some people, some people do, some people, some people don't. And now I see you were also uh, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, yeah, that girl with the big—I uh, forget her name—but uh, is the, the lead female. Oh, the girl, the girl. Uh, in that. She was. Uh, beautiful i mean yeah she recently she like she did that uh, that botox to her lips thing and it's like i don't know what i don't know what happened there now as a casting director when you see a girl or a guy i guess but mainly girls come in with plastic surgery like does that like hurt their chances because they're like how do you come in for the girl next door role when you've got like yeah it's i it's i, I don't understand I, I i really personally don't understand the whole uh plastic surgery make myself look better i mean some of them do it and do it well and i'd never know but a lot of them um just just i go what happened i mean wow you just go what why 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 did you why did you do that you killed your career is it because you think they're trying to i mean it is i guess to a degree a young uh, person's game in the business you know i i think it's also it, it also what i've what i've learned and again i've been i've been out here since 1982 and i've seen it all done it all um as an actor in in casting um and it's it's uh, people people just don't accept and embrace who they are um and they they want to be something else or they want to be what they think is the in thing what the what they think is they're supposed to be 
and it and it rarely works. I think if we just if we as as people, all your listeners, just be who you are, be yourself. You know, don't try and be something that that you're not, because that's what I look for. It's I look for, you know, you know, talent, sure, but you also look for the personality, too. Right. You, you know, I, I've been very lucky in in my career not to hire too many. Pardon me for lack of a better term, dicks. Um, so it's it's I I I I don't get the, the the mentality of you know let's you know let's make my you know my boobs bigger than basketballs. And right. Because so what can you cast that person as other than a stripper? I, I you know I don't I don't I don't know I I don't you know I I I don't I mean I look at them and I go and I go what what did they do I mean my my partner and I used to laugh. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just r- ridiculous. And one of my, one of my biggest, biggest laughs, I was casting uh, Rush Hour 2. And this Asian girl came in with these gigantic lips. And it was obvious that she had put like way too much in there. Right. So when he talked, he was talking like this. And I was just like, oh my God. And I could not, I could not read the lines. And, and my partner was desperately trying to hold in her laughter and listening the whole thing and the lips are going everywhere. Right. I mean, they're just flapping and I'm just like, please let this be done. And I literally ran out of the casting office and into my office and I was on the floor in hysterics crying so hard that like the accounting people next door came over and were and saw me on the floor, literally like with tears running down my face. They were like, "Oh my god, oh my god, are you okay? Are you okay?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, oh my god, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen." And my partner came in so pissed off. She goes, "You left me in there with her. You left me in there with her. What was I supposed to say to her?" And she was, and she, I said, "Say, well, what happened?" She goes, "Well, she said, okay.'" And was like, "Oh my god, it was a mess. It was right. just a mess." Now, when an actor or actress walks in. Do you know right then, I mean, before they even do a scene for you, like, okay, this is the person. I mean, do you know when they walk in, do they book the gig? I mean, I guess that might apply more for commercials in a movie because you have to see if they can act. Right. But. You get you get a sense, Earl. I mean, it's, it's you get a sense of, of people in their aura. And it's one thing, and I, I've been teaching, you know, the, the last five, six years. And the one thing that no teacher in this town can teach is your aura, who you, you know, who you are. You know, you see the desperation, everything about you walks in. You can see the desperation. Oh, you can. Absolutely. And, and everything about you walks into that room. You know, the, the confidence, what you, what half the battle is just having the confidence is just, you know, walking into the, into that room and just going, yeah, I'm here. You know, what about it? But not in a dicky way. Not in a dicky way. I mean, you can you can you can spot you can smell bullshit like people who are masking it or trying to be be something else. Like you know, they come in and you know they're 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 just have a horrible life and they're trying to mask it. And it's like, no, baby, we see right through it. Um, but yeah, you get the you you get you get somebody that walks in and and you you perk up and you go, okay, oh God, please be good, please be able to act, please, and you get excited. You know, you get excited. Even if you don't hire them, you remember them. Right. And every casting director will tell you that is that is that you will remember somebody. And for all of those, you know, comedians, actors who are listening to this, is that you have to go in. You're not you're not trying to get the George Clooney said something best. He said, he said, the great thing about auditioning is that you're playing with house money, because when you walk into the room, you don't have the job, and when you walk out of the room 
you don't have the job. So the only thing that can happen is that you get the job. Right. And he goes, if you think like that, it makes walking into that room so much, so much easier because you don't, you don't have the job. And the only thing that can happen is you get the job. Um, and it really, it really is true because you, you, you might not get the job in this movie, but there have been people that I've seen three films ago that I hire, you know, now right. or, or, um, you know, three years, three years later, every, everybody will, every casting director has a story like that. Every director has a story like that. Oh my God. You know, I met Meg Ryan when she was first thing. And then I put, you know, years later I put her in when Harry met Sally, you know? Um, yeah, there's, there's people that I, that I've seen. You know, like Rachel McAdams was one of my discoveries and literally, uh, um, would you put in that Rob Schneider movie? No, no, no. She had, she, it, she had just come out in that and we hadn't seen it. Um, the, uh, the hot chick. And, Good movie. And, uh, okay, Earl, um, her agent happened to be my agent and we were casting the notebook and we had every hot actress at the time you know wanting to do that role you know? oh, of course i mean it was we had everybody and and a little known fact is uh i had worked with britney spears and this is at the height of britney's career, crossroads right after crossroads and she knew she'd made a mistake on that and she came in and she worked her ass off and again this is at the at the height of her career and she was one and she and she came and did a great job um and then uh, my uh, uh, Cassavetes and myself and Gosling were in New York, and my uh, my agent calls up my partner who was in, in Los Angeles and says, "Hey, you know, do me a favor, meet this girl. She just came out in this Rob Schneider movie." And my partner says, "Don't ever tell Nick that she's in a Rob Schneider movie. He'll never hire her." Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just like a, full disclosure. I I opened for Rob for four years. <laughs> Stand up. Uh, although I, at the time I was so desperate, I might have opened for him in other ways. But uh, it, I mean, without—I don't want to interrupt the story. But like, can you hurt yourself if a actor is unpopular, or or for whatever reason, can you hurt your career by being in one of their films? I I, th I think maybe back then. I think nowadays nobody gives a shit because of the the internet. We didn't have the internet back then, right? You know, it wasn't it wasn't like it is now. I, I, I think that it's 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 different. Everything's different now. So I don't know the answer to that question. Can it hurt if you're in, you know, some schlocky thing? I don't think anybody gives a shit anymore. Right. To be to be honest with you. But but back then it's just like, you know, Nick was prestigious. He had come off, you know, uh, John Q. Um, you know, and he was very he was a filmmaker, you know, and it's right. like, you know, if you know, you don't you don't want to hire somebody who's, you know, who's in who was in a, a Rob Schneider movie. It's like, okay. Do I really want the, the lead of my movie? Her her only credit is a Rob Schneider movie, right. you know. So we'd like don't tell him that. Um, so she came in, met my partner, and my partner was like, "Yeah, this girl's great." So we literally had flown in uh, on the red eye on Saturday night. We'd seen all these all the star all the hot stars in in New York. Flew to L.A. Um, and this was on a Sunday we had these auditions because everything had to be done by Monday, according to New Line, the studio that was making the film. And we we get to um, the, the studio on Sunday morning and we look at the, the list of all the actors and there's like hot actress, you know, top actress, you know, big star actress. 
and we look and I go, who the fuck is Rachel McAdams? And my partner says, I met her yesterday. I think she's great. You know, it's 15 minutes. And she came in and destroyed us. I mean, she came in and the single best audition I've ever experienced in my career. I mean, she just, it's interesting because I show my students the full 14 minute audition. There's only one scene that they put on the DVD and there's only one scene that's out there on, on the internet. Uh, and for those of you who are wondering why I haven't put that out there, it's not my material, so I can't. Um, Don't let that stop you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I'd kind of like to work for New Line, you know, right? Slash Warner Brothers uh, sometime in the near future. Um, but I do get to I do show show uh, my students uh, the the full fourteen minute, and they get it, and they go, "Yeah, we understand why." So of course, we figured. You know, she comes in, blows us out of the room. You know, we see a couple more A-listers. And then we go, they're never going to let us make this movie. $30 million to, for a Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams movie? So we literally had to kind of like manipulate it. We're like, okay, the studio wants to see these stars. And these couple of stars came in and tanked. They just couldn't deal. They couldn't handle the material. We put them on first because that's what they really want to see. Because then they'll be really disappointed. Um, then we'll put on, then we'll put on Britney cause they want to see what, what Britney can do and they'll be impressed with Britney and they probably won't hire her cause they don't, Nick doesn't want to make a Britney Spears movie, but she was really, really terrific. And then we put on Rachel and she just like by far blew everybody away, blew everybody away. We did the same thing when we did the, the screen test for family man where, you know, we had all the A-listers and then, you know, they did, we did all the screen tests and they're like, okay, yeah, they're really good. And then Taya Leone came in and it was just like, it was like. Everybody else was 30 and, every, and, and Taya was 100. It was the same thing. And so literally, I remember, I remember emailing Bob Shea, who was the head of the studio. And I was like, I was like, Bob, I will come to your house. I will, I will put a bullet into a 38. I will spin the chamber, click it and put it to my head and pull the trigger. That's how much I believe in this girl. And he was like, okay, Matt, just calm down. Okay, let, right. us, let us watch the tapes. And they watch it, and then Monday morning they were like, "Yeah, absolutely. This is this is this is a girl, and you know the and the rest is history." And that's and that's you know the great thing is that we 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 never never know what's going to happen. It was the same thing um, with Cat Williams. Cat Williams, I discovered for Friday After Next. Cat was living in his car. Yeah, I think he is uh, again. <laughs> he might, he's he come might. full circle. Yeah, but well, he's, at least he's got ten million in the bank right. now. It's a, it's a Bentley. Right. Right. Um, but literally, uh, uh, he, he sent in a picture, it was a self-submission and, and he was known as cat in the hat, spelled K-A-T-I-N-D-A hat. And it was this ridiculous picture. And you know, my, what I learned early on in my, in my casting career is to see everybody. Cause and you never know. Because you never, you never know. And it was one of those days where, uh, where Nancy, my former partner and I had seen like. 60 horrible people and we we just we we're like i was like nancy we're going to get cocktails you know we're, we're going to get go get lit tonight um and and from our window which was on the first floor we see this this guy in this snake skin outfit this triangle hair and missing teeth and i'm going nancy i might have to blow my head off today and in walks cat into hat and we start riffing and it's just fucking magic. I mean, it's just, and I'm going, okay, all right, is this, all right, I gotta, let me, let me throw him a split finger fastball, hits it out of the park. 
Okay, let me let me throw let me throw a knuckle knuckle curve out of the park. Okay, I I, I gotta th- throw him, you know my my best pitch, you know a screw sinking screwball out of the park. He destroyed it, and it was like <gasps> we got so excited. We were like, "Cube, cube, cube! You gotta see this guy! You gotta see this guy!" We show him the tape. He goes, "Man, this guy's gonna steal the film." We're like, "You okay with that?" He was like, "Yeah, yeah," and then and launched his career. Yeah, he launched his career, and he and you know he never never looked back. And you know he, he's had his his ups and downs since then. But um, I've yeah, seen him uh, in action at the comedy store a few times. He's He's, uh, I think he's on the down right now. Yeah, we had seen we had seen him. We um, he invited us after we saw him. He, he it, it's funny because when we were when we were casting that, he was like, "Well, if you like me, you know, you, you gotta call me between twelve and two because that's where I'm gonna be in my car next to the payphone wherever he was." That's living. crazy. He didn't even have a cell, and he was he was doing his stand up at the um at the racetrack at Hollywood Park. There's I've a casino. There. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you know it. So he was doing some he was doing some stand up stand up there. He was great. We had invited like some agents from Gersh to come see him. They signed him in two seconds. I think two weeks later, ICM signed him. And then, you know, he wound up with I think CAA. Um, but it was it was a very, very quick, quick launch of a of a career. And that's and that's why I do it. I mean, if you look at everybody in in, in Alpha Dog, like everybody who was in that movie became a star. Uh, I mean, you had you had uh, Olivia Wilde. You know who's now on on vinyl. You had Amanda Seyfried, who's you know became a big star. Uh, I mean, geez, I mean, even uh, Emil Hirsch, you know, was 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 a star for ten seconds. Um, but, He'll get back in the game, you know. Just yeah, I mean, good actors, good actors are, are are good actors. But literally, if you if you go down that that list, the one thing that I that that I love and 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 I'll break my arm, pat myself on the back here, Earl, is that I know talent, and I love, I love finding talent, nurturing talent. And that's what I've been doing like the last few years. I mean, look, I've had a 23 year career in casting. Which is insane to be in anything in Hollywood for for 23 23 years. years. Yeah. And, you know, to be pretty successful at it. And I think I got one more in me. There's, there's rumor I'm going to do some Justin Timberlake, Beyonce movie, um, which will be, which will be fun. But I've had more fun now developing and now managing um, and saying, okay, you know, you know, I got, I got to uh, put put my money where my mouth is. I was so, right. you know, you're so great about finding talent. Well, let's see you go out there and sell talent. Uh, so it's it's interesting being on the other side, uh, especially after coming from a, a pretty successful acting career and going into casting, which was luck into of, of itself. Um. So anyway. But I mean, like Bruce Willis was in. Uh... Yeah, I mean, listen, we had to finance the film, and 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 you needed you know, a star. You needed I mean, a star. Uh, you know, Bruce Bruce helped it. Um, I remember I, uh, I I put together the film with with Nick. Um, I get a wonderful uh, co producer credit on it, and uh, I keep waiting for the uh, the checks. I mean, it made fifty five million dollars in uh, in DVD sales, and you know they they just say it didn't make any money, and I go, yeah, okay. And they send me statements, statements saying how much money they've lost on the film. And I go, what about the $55 million that you made on DVD sales? Oh, yeah, well, marketing. You know, we, we spent that on marketing. Well, there was a nice guerrilla market. See, I remember the actual true story of uh-huh. or, or the story that was, was it loosely based off of uh, the, the movie, loosely based it off that? It was pretty close. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's, it's fairly accurate. So I was very interested in the movie just on that. And, yeah. You know, I'm a big Bruce Willis guy. 
Because I like the fact that, and this is more of a question, but like Bruce Willis was like the sixth choice for Officer John McClane. <laughs> you know, I think they wanted at some point uh, Stallone. Sure. And then uh, Schwarzenegger. Go and, down the list. Uh, I mean, it was like, I, God, I think uh, Clint Eastwood. Uh, and it, does that happen a lot where the final choice is not like the first choice? Well, I mean, it, like almost, in a movie like Die Hard, just using sure. that. Look, listen, the notebook was supposed to be Reese Witherspoon and uh, uh, the kid from Star Wars. Um, Not the one that's uh, been in jail for 10 months. No, uh, no, 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 no. No, no, I discovered him too. Jesus, uh, you better get him a uh, yeah, Jake Lloyd. counselor. Jake Lloyd is, is a, the kid. Uh, launched his career was it just too much pressure where uh, being in that movie and then uh you know they were kind of ridiculed kids it's like it's it's children see i grew i grew up in the, in the business and it's like kids should not be in the business kids need to be kids look at Lindsay lohan i'm not saying every you know young actor who who does it but kids should not be put in pressure situations that adults can't handle right you know, so it's like kids need to be kids. They need to play with other kids. They don't need to be robbed of their childhood. But what do you do? Like, I mean, I guess there's kids in almost every movie. Like, I guess you need to. Yeah. And and it's like, and I feel and honestly, Earl, I feel sorry for every single one of them. Because it's is it more the parents? Mm -hmm. Like I go on a lot of commercial auditions and there's one uh, audition place on La Brea uh, that s seems to specialize in kid auditions. And it's just mind blowing how the parents treat these kids. Like, yeah. you know, kids, kids, kids don't. Here's the thing: kids don't want to be actors. The parents want the kids to be actors because what, they couldn't be actors. What, kids don't know what they want, right? You know, it's like I want to be a fireman. I'm going to be a president of the United States. You know, kids just want to be kids. Let them let them run around. I, I don't let I don't let my kids you know anywhere near this this business until until they grow up and they go oh, okay maybe I'll try that. Right. You know, I want, uh, you know, I want the kids to have a, a, a normal life. Again, I grew up, you know, I was, I was on stage at eight years old. I was uh, on Broadway at 13. I was, you know, I had a TV show at 13, just, you know, starring in, in a Bertolucci film at, at 15. And you almost, this is a perfect lead in for something <laughs> I wanted to bring up. As a child. Yeah. One of my uh, favorite movies because it had a kiss song in the, in the, uh, when he burns the house down, they played I Was Made for Loving You, uh, is uh, Endless Love with, uh, of course, the still lovely and stunning Brooke Shields and a guy who, and this is this is a multi-layered question or whatever, because I thought he was really good in this movie and he didn't really do a lot after, uh, the great Martin Hewitt. Yep. Weren't you... Uh, you almost had that role. I was, I was considered for it. There was, this. I mean, this is one of those things. Again, I was coming off a very controversial film uh, called Luna that um, Bernardo Bertolucci had directed. He's an Academy Award-winning director, and I was a star in it. And I was, you know, king shit for five minutes in Hollywood. And they were, and and my agent at the time. Uh, the great Ed Lamato was, you know, Denzel's agent, Michelle Pfeiffer's agent, um, uh, Mel, Gib time. Mel Gibson's agent. I mean, I, I was like, you know, one of these things just doesn't belong here, you know. But you know, they de he definitely got me the opportunities, and one of the opportunities was to 
uh, meet uh, Franco Zeffirelli, who of course knew me from my work with Bertolucci. And uh, in, in, in pretty blatant fashion, uh, Zeffirelli said, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically it was, you know, come to my hotel room and the part is yours. Oh. And I said, yeah, you know what a quarterback does? I'll pass. Uh, so um, I won't say whether Mr. Hewitt did or didn't, but because I don't know. But I know that... Um, that that was that was my first kind of foray foray into the casting couch. Yeah, yeah, which is weird because in my twenty three year career, and maybe it's because I've had I had a wonderful female partner protecting me. But yeah, you know, I never I only had one incident where somebody you know proposed themselves to me. I never had any, never took advantage of it. I had that happen to me. You took and advantage. Big casting director. I'll tell you off air his name. Okay. But he was one of the head ones at Fox. I mean big and he gets me into his uh, casting office on the set of fox and this was the nicest office i've ever seen shower in it i mean it was a, like a borderline bed couch and he you know i wasn't that green so he sits down next to me and goes hey earl i just ran a marathon this weekend and my balls are bruised can i show you them wow <laughs> wow and then me like an idiot i take him to a hockey game not knowing he wants to like diddle me and then he asked me if i he knew i liked Brittany murphy he's like oh let me introduce you to her and he took me to the original table read the king of the hill and he's in his pajamas and i thought wow this guy's fucking weird and uh it was like wow this is yeah, it's it's it can it, scary. It can get it can get uh, it's hard enough in this fucking town. It is so hard. And it's like I see that shit all the time with producers. I'm a producer, I'm a director, and it's like guys, gals, it doesn't work. You know, you can't you you can't sleep your way to time. It might have might have worked in the eighties, but you, you just you know I mean I had one director I, I worked with all the time. He says, you know, he he told me he said, Look. I'll put them in my music videos, no problem. But I'm not putting them in my movies. Well, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I love casting stories, especially, you know, like I was a big Sons of Anarchy guy. Uh -huh. And I would not make a good casting director because if you told me Charlie Hoonan would make a good leader of a motorcycle gang, I'm like, he's too good looking. Like, I don't know of any Hells Angels guys who look like that. And he was great in it, so. Well, again, it's it's talent. And everybody, everybody knew how talented Charlie was. Everybody wanted Charlie. He just, Charlie had has just that aura that is just attractive to not only the Hollywood community, but to the audience as well. And those are few and far between. There's, there's... There's always the, the the guys and girls that Hollywood tries to shove down your throat. Um, I remember, you know, Penelope Cruz, they tried to shove down our throat. She was in everything. And it's like, we still can't understand a, a word she says. Um, but it didn't stop Hollywood from trying to shove her down our, our throats. Um, and it's, 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 Charlie was a guy that were like, no, this guy is, this guy is, you know, unbelievable. He really was, and he still, and he still is, and it's, and it's like, and I, and I, and I, even to to this day, we're talking, you know, we're talking about him, you know, for for projects now. Now that he's off of the Sands of every every film I ever did, he wanted to work with Cassavetes, who I've done 
you know, I think nine films for. He uh, Nick wanted to work with him, and he wanted to work with Nick. And every single time we were doing a movie, he was tied up on on SOA. So we we never never got him. But uh, we've always wanted to work work with somebody like like Charlie. But even like speaking of that show again, like Ron Perlman, if you said he's going to be the leader of a hell, I'd like Ron Perlman. Are you out of your mind? Well, in, until you meet Ron Perlman and you understand why, because he's just got he's just got a personality. Oh, he's got a presence. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't know he was. Uh, I think the original choice, and I just lo- I really wish someone would write a book about roles passed on, original choices. Was uh, I guess in the pilot, Scott Glenn yeah. was uh, Papa, uh, you know. And sometimes it doesn't work. Do you? I mean, I I think Kurt Sutter talked about it a little bit. He he just said he didn't feel it. Like, have you seen that happen a lot? Where they'll film a whole pilot. Well, how about a whole movie? This Spielberg did it with uh, Eric Stoltz. With Eric Stoltz and Back to the Future. I mean, that's. You know the the big one. I mean, the poor guy is still you know trying to live it down thirty years later. And he's a good actor. He's a great actor, but for that for that role, this happened to my brother too. By the way, on um, I'm trying to remember the name of the film where they had filmed literally three quarters of the film before uh, they realized it wasn't working, and like the guy who was playing his sidekick wound up in the lead role, and the and the movie became a hit movie. Um, Oh God! It's just like um, the name is of the film is escaping me, um, but it was like yeah he got he got fired you know three quarters of the way through through a film, um, but yeah I mean there's always you know Raiders of the Lost Ark they wouldn't let you know Tom Selleck out of his contract for Magnum PI and so you know you know uh, Harrison Ford wound up playing Indiana Jones I think it worked out um, yeah I mean. It, it it always does. You always get you always get bummed out because you know somebody doesn't work out because of scheduling problems, and the right person winds up being in the movie. What's well, like with uh, RoboCop? The original choice was uh, Michael Ironside, right, right? And he literally the only reason he didn't get the part he couldn't fit in the suit. Oh wow! Because he was too uh, like not overly muscular, but he, and then Peter Weller could fit. He got the gig because right. he fit in the suit. And he was scanners, great, man. Michael Ironside in Scanners. Come on. Oh, I, I, you know, I. Well, the guy who was in RoboCop three. I'm actually a huge fan of Robert John Burke, who is. I like uh, Robert. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's a really, uh, really good actor. Now I'm going to tell you who my favorite actor of all time is because a lot. It pains me that not many people know who this guy is. Okay. I am obsessed with this movie that came out in 1986, and it goes in line with casting because I think it's one of the more perfectly casted films it's called 52 pickup i remember 52 pickup roy scheider yeah and margaret right. and the bad guy john glover oh john glover was unbelievable he if they were teaching an acting class on how to be a bad guy i would show them 52 pickup and just he just it's just do you think he finds it insulting that i call him a character actor i mean is that like a no. a a negative to be called that no i mean it's just look you you know you're gonna you're gonna get categorized i mean is you know michael ironside is a character actor he's not a leading man george clooney's a leading man you know he plays characters but he's categorized as leading man you, you know uh, mickey rourke was a leading man now he's a character actor um you want to you want a mickey rourke story oh i see him every day at my gym so yes i'll give you a great mickey rourke story so we're trying to cast the Malkovich role in Con Air. And so we figured, okay, who's the craziest person, you know, around? 
Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Rourke. And it was during the time where he was like certifiable when you when he was like shooting up his house with with guns and, and boxing. Like. Right, right. And Carol Alt like had you know uh, oh. restraining orders against him. And so we call in Mickey, and we have a we have a, a camera test. We have a whole crew, and Simon West is there, and uh, 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 Bruckheimer's there, and um, I'm doing I'm reading um, Nick Cage's role, and it's a big confrontation scene, and he's probably you know was it was that fifteen feet right about fifteen feet from me, and the camera's rolling, and we're doing this confrontation scene. And, uh, and he, you know, my line is, you're a fucking gargoyle, Grissom. And he says, what'd you say? And he lights up a cigarette. Of course, you, know, you can't smoke in the office. He lights up a cigarette. He goes, what'd you say? I said, you're a fucking gargoyle, Grissom. And he reaches behind his back. And I hear, click. And he stands up. And he walks over to me, past the camera, and the camera guy is trying to is trying to move the move the camera around, and right. and I can hear the the gears. This is before digital, and I can hear the gears in the camera. And he walks up to me, and he's got his hand behind his back, and he pulls out this huge knife, and he holds it against my throat. <laughs> and I'm literally looking into two eyes, and it's just space. You're not there. It's. It, I mean, it's just, I mean, I go, holy shit. I've never been more scared in, in my life. And I've got a knife to my throat, and he's going, what did you say? I'm sorry, what did you say? And I'm not saying my next line. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kind of like my heart's beating. I can hear the, 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 the film in the camera going. You know, nobody's saying anything like, okay, Mickey, you know, calm down. So he takes a cigarette, he extinguishes it on my jeans, walks back to his chair, finishes off the scene, you know, says goodbye to, to Bruckheimer and, and Simon West, the director, closes the door, and there's like dead silence. And my boss at the time, Vicky, looks at me and she says, you okay? And I went, I didn't piss and I didn't shit. I think I'll be okay. Now, the funny thing is, is that during this, and I guess my vanity took over, all I could think about while a knife is at my throat, is the headline in Variety the next day, which says, Rourke kills casting director, which half the people in this town go, yay! And the other half go, well, what the hell did you expect? It's Mickey Rourke. Right. So How did he not book it? I mean, that's I would have hired him <laughs> on the spot. Well, too much of a wild card for that big yeah, of a movie. Yeah. Well, well, I think I think uh, uh, one of the producers looked at looked at at Jerry and said, you know, he was excited. It was just like you are, and was like, what do you think? And Jerry just looked at him and just slowly shook his head. Uh, uh-uh, uh, I ain't having that on my set. Oh well, that's yeah. That's- and then of course Malkovich was Malkovich was like our first choice, and and I don't think I don't think Jerry really saw him as we fought Jerry on that because. I think Jerry made us look at like almost everybody else. Can you say who? Or are you not allowed? I mean, no, no. I mean, whoever was big at the time. It's like, it was like ninety five. It was so like anybody. Like Ray Liotta. But, yeah, I mean, it's I mean anybody but Malkovich. But it's just like nobody felt, and we were like, it's Malkovich, it's Malkovich, and I think Cage um, finally said, "Dude, this guy's the greatest actor. Are you kidding?" And and Malkovich was fucking great in the movie. He was great. 
Oh, he was. Uh, everyone was. Buscemi, I mean, Buscemi. Buscemi was great. We, I think we, it was like the first time Buscemi made a million bucks. He was like one of the first people we we cast. I do get creeped out in that movie with the scenes with the little girl. Oh, the little girl. I, 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 I don't know if that was like subtle, like dry. Uh, someone was like, I mean, that was just it. It's you know, after the whole Sandusky thing, I can't see those scenes because it's just yeah, you, you know, creepy. But but even like the smaller roles in that, like Chappelle was great. It, Dave, Dave, Dave Chappelle. He was another one that that uh, he was first film. Uh, you know, he he came. He was just great. He just walked in, and again, much like, much like um, uh, Cat Williams, he just came in and was like, "How can we not hire this guy?" I mean, it, it was like one of those where he just he walked into a room and it was like a hurricane and a, tor- a tornado, and and he just he just was, and we were like, "This guy's brilliant." This guy's this guy's genius. Because most stand-ups uh, can't really act. No. Why? Why do you think that is? Do you think it's like I've been doing comedy sixteen years? I'm used to just being in my head, no one else's. Do you think it's that they can't play well with others? Well, it's 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 the it's the mentality. I mean, it's like I've been I I would I would die to put Doug Stanhope in something. I, I'm a huge Stanhope fan. I don't care if you're not. He's my favorite. No, I, I love him. He's and, great. And I was listening to Louis C.K. and he finally convinced him to come, you know, do a do a bit on 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 Louis's new show. And it's just like because he says he's look, I'm not an actor. I suck. And most of them most of them do because they they don't they don't train. But eventually you you kind of you kind of get it. I mean the, the interesting thing is is and you don't know this about me, but Way back in the day, my girlfriend was uh, Claudia Lano, who was Mark Lano's daughter, who ran the improv. The improv, and so I really grew up out here watching the development of Seinfeld, Larry David, uh, um, uh, Sandra Bernhardt, um, Rick Overton. Oh, I just um, had him on. He is a I, legend. I and and it's like I I love them all, and you know, and they finally. They, you know, all of them started to get it. So I, I always say it's 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 developing it's your craft and who you are. Um, you know, a, a lot of the guys won't won't make it, but a lot of them do. Um, and it, and it's just it's just you know the 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 mentality uh, the mentality of it. It's like okay, it might it might might this might not be the right avenue. You know, you coming in for this, but you can you can always tell anybody I. Earl, anybody who can stand up there in front of a crowd and do what you guys do, I'm sorry, I can I'll I'll be able to teach you how to how to act. I'll teach you how to walk through this because you guys have been through everything. Where else does, you know, do you go to the ice cream parlor and heckle the ice cream person? It's real. No. It's just, it's it's to 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 me comics um are 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 just amazing, 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 amazing. I I don't know. I don't know how how you do it. Um, I don't either. But I remember. It's like I remember um, the, the best. The best part about about what I what I do is is um, you know we were we were casting I think How High with Method in Red and we were looking for some females and I think you know Tess Drake was was one of them and we went to see her show at um, you know they have whatever the the you know the African American show is upstairs and we were like the only white people in there. So you know? tripping on Tuesdays. There, there you go. So so we're like the only white people in there and we're loving it because you know we can handle it and they, they can poke fun of us. I love it. I don't mind. But you start to get to know and it's like, you know, uh, Tess was Tess was great, but she was not an actress. Right. 
Um, you know, there were there were some people who came in and they were terrific. I mean, you, you look at the, uh, Wanda Sykes, you know, another one from back then. She came in and she was just she's just great. You know, so it's it's it's. I find most I find the majority of them are very good. You just have to put them in the right in the right you know vent right avenue. Let them be who they are. It's like if you're trying to put you know Earl into you know a uh, uh, n- nerdy guy from. I, I can do that. <laughs> hey, I was in Benchwarmers. I had a scene stealing role in there. I have a very short IMDb page. <laughs> there you go. But uh, that gig you saw me do at the roast uh, comedy uh, store in the belly room, uh, uh-huh. the roast battle. Yeah. I, I'll be on uh, Comedy Central as the house racist. I love it. Oh, that's that was the funniest thing. Well, that was that was one of the that was one of the funniest things I've, I've ever seen, and that's what I love about Earl. And you know, if those of you who, you know who are listening have never seen this guy, holy shit! And this was see, I've known Earl. I had not seen Earl in a long time, and Earl, he had this really big, huge Howard Stern. You know, I don't know what long, I was thinking. Crazy hair, and then all of a sudden, I'm watching this 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 show, and this guy is just being like really racist, and I'm going but he's really freaking funny. And then of course this guy comes up to me after the show and he starts talking hockey and I'm like, who the fuck are you? Cause I just remembered him as a little, and I was like, Oh my God, it's Earl. Holy shit. What did you do? And I was like, Oh my God, this guy was genius. Well, I mean, it's uh hopefully uh, comedy central allows me on the show. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've only had one problem in two and a half years of doing the show. And this huge black guy came up to me once and, so, yo, man, what's with the racist bullshit? I'm like, oh, man, you know, it's a character like Archie Bunker. And he looks at me and goes, who the Who's fuck that? is Archie, Archie Bunker? Bunker? I'm like, uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> but Jim Carrey came up to me after, sh- after that show, and he just whispered it in my ear, hey, Archie, where's Edith? Yeah, it's like, nice. all right, if he gets it, it's good. But, nice. All right, well. I could talk acting all day, but I know time is uh, of uh, time is uh, of the essence here. And uh, tomorrow, the NHL playoffs start. And yeah, I'm a little pissed off about it. Well, it, it, we should be because uh, many. Well, if you don't know, me and Matt are big LA King fans. You used to be a uh, a blogger for Eklund Hockey Buzz. Yeah, yeah, the the Kings actually were smart enough. Uh, Mike Altieri, who's who's the P- great PR guy there, was one of the first to allow quote unquote bloggers into the locker room, and he gave me permission, and I did it for a year. Um, and it's you know it's great getting to know the guys, but then you realize, you know, they're so programmed, you know, to just talk about you know the hockey and this and that. I mean, they're programmed by the time they're fifteen, sixteen years old that you never really get anything out of them. You can go out and have cocktails with them, and they're like, hey, this isn't for publication. Right. You know, you get all the good stories. So it was like, you know, you go into the locker room, and you go into, they go into that mode, and I just, it, after a year, it was boring. It was just, it was just boring. You know, it's like, you're not going to get anything out of these guys. It's like, you know, you get great stories from, like, Sean O'Donnell. You know, it's right. like I can sit down with Sean all day, and I love, and I keep on trying to get him into acting. That's a guy with a, who's who's got a great face for acting. I could see him as, uh, like, a... Detective, uh, man. Couple lines, not too many. Yep. No, he'd be good. He'd be good as that that, that presence, you know, that that face of his is just so great. Um, but Sean O'D is, is one. Is, I, I keep on, I said, I'm, I'm telling you, Sean, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you back into this. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you in the in the movies. Um, 
But I got to tell you, I was really, really pissed off the other night, um, leading 3 nothing, knowing that we were going to play Nashville. Excited to play Nashville, a challenge to play Nashville. Okay, so we got to travel to Nashville. But my God, what a fun series that would be. And then they blow the game. The Ducks win, of course. And now we have to play San Jose again. Who, who cares? It's a tough matchup. It's, you know, but it's like, it's, there's nothing exciting about it. You know, they want to create these rival, rivalries. Honestly, I don't, I don't care. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not excited. Maybe I will be, because uh, it's, you know, because we're playing, you know, Martin against Martin Jones, who used to be with us, and he's untested. But it's just, it was like, and the thing that pissed me off the most was that Chicago wound up uh, with a point ahead of us uh, in this in the standings, and we could have had home ice advantage should we have to play Chicago in the third round. Which I think we will. Who knows? Maybe. It's tough. The West is tough. West is the West is tough. I mean, I think I think St. Louis is going to give them a battle. Um, you know, if if uh, if uh, Sagan comes back for Dallas, you know, they're they're defensively thin, but I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm hoping Nashville takes out the Ducks. I mean, I'm seeing uh, a Kings Capitals Stanley Cup, uh, but it's a long way to go. Kings, I'll say it right now on your podcast. You can you can throw it back in my face. Kings Kings aren't going to the Stanley Cup defensively. They just, they just don't, they, how many, they've, they've blown way too many leads. They don't have the killer instinct that they did in the two years that they won it. They had, they had Regeer the one year they had, they had Mitchell, uh, you know, the, the other year, they just don't have that, that killer finish them off, you know, put the hobnail boot on the neck and finish them off. They just don't, they've blown it way too many times this year. And I just don't, I don't see it. But I think once they get Gabbard back, it'll be a little. It's like getting a trade because he's fresh now. He's yeah, brittle. Is all. yeah, but but it's 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 the defense. It's always been about the defense. Always. You're right. And uh, and Martin, I like McBain. I got to be honest with you. I don't know. Uh, he's good offensively. And he's good first pass. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think he's. In, I, look, you know, uh, I love Martinez. Martinez is a hero. I mean, he won the game. You know. In, in Chicago, oh. he won he won the cup. So it's like you know the guys the guys just money. The guys like Justin Williams, but I gotta tell you, it, it's Washington's Washington should roll over everybody. They should, but you know, uh, I, I don't. You talk about uh, an eight seed beating a, a one. Something about that Philly squad right now. I don't think they're gonna beat them, no. but. No, the the goaltending and defense, goaltending and defense. But if Mason gets hot, I mean, this it's that's, defense. It's their defense. Their defense, their defense is, is rough. It's not. It's not going to hold up. That's why I like. It's like Pittsburgh. You look at them and you go, eh, maybe their defense. You know, it's look. Always look at the defense. You know that. Well, I mean, I think uh, the more interesting uh, time for the Kings is going to be in the off season. Yep. Because they got some. You know. Uh, this ain't fantasy hockey where everyone can get what they want and uh, they got some big decisions to make. And I'm assuming if they win, let's just say they win the cup for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone wants a raise. And it's hard to argue that. Like, uh, they've got uh, Lucic. Uh, if, he, if they win the cup, his agent can say, hey, you didn't win it the year without him. We want $6 million. And it's hard to argue that. But they've got, how many players do they have just off, not even researching. Dowdy, Quick, Carter, Kopitar, all making at least six to to nine million. Dustin Brown does now five point eight five. Is he the guy who I've got a trade partner for the Kings? I say you trade him to Buffalo. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Get a young guy back, maybe a pick. Absolutely. He's exactly what they need. Three-time, hopefully, cup winning uh, yeah. captain. I, I mean, it sucks you got to trade your captain, but it's like. Right, and that's something Lombardi is, is la lack to do. I mean, the other thing is, is do you get rid of Gabrick? And that's, and that, I mean, we're on the hook for what, five, six, Who's going to take him? Right. Right. Well, somebody will. I think so. I think, you know. You'd have to, maybe a team like Florida, who's like. Toronto. I don't see Toronto trading for Caprica. You, you couldn't get. You need. You need. I mean, you need rebuilding. You need. I mean, they're rebuilding. They're going to be. You need some. You need a sniper. I mean, he could be like their Hanzus was for us. Yeah. Like, you know, we overpaid for him like four years at sixteen million. Coming off an ACL surgery, I was like, that's crazy. But Lombardi was right. I mean, yep. I how he hasn't won GM of the year is insane to me. At least one of the last four years. It's um, he's been. I think it's because it's like, look, he's made great, great moves, but it's like if you look at the at the drafting, it's can you imagine if he had picked up, you know, Carlson or um, uh, the guy that went from Buffalo to the Jets, the defenseman? Okay, no, uh, Bogosian. No, 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 no. The um, Myers. Myers. Because didn't we yeah. trade? We, we were we we trade we traded up twelve to thirteen to to get to take Colton Tubert, and we passed on Myers. We traded with Buffalo because Buffalo wanted Myers, so we. Traded, traded, uh, traded down so they could take Myers. Now imagine it's like okay, I, I haven't been able to ask. It. It's like what did you not see in Myers that you saw in Tubert? Now I understand the appeal of of Tubert at the time, you know, big shit talking, you know, guy, but he got, you know, he got conned. I got to be honest with you. I I think I would have made that. There's something about Tubert and Juniors that I was like, this guy's a young Scott Stevens. Yeah, bigger. Yeah, everybody everybody thought that and. Wow, what a disappointment. And I remember the first training camp he was in, someone had bummed the goalie very lightly. It wasn't really much. And Tuber went ape shit, like yeah. slashing the guy, punching him. Like, this guy's going to be a fan favorite. And then either the speed of the game was too much for him, or I mean, he didn't really pan out in Edmonton. Uh, I don't know where he is at now. Germany. I, I want to say Germany. That's crazy. Yeah, because I, I, I sold one of my, my Tuber jerseys to somebody in Germany. Oh, the, the guy that I think I probably know the guy who there's a German collector who yeah. loves the tough guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's weird how young just Aki Berg was like, I, I thought he, here's another guy, Scott third, Stevens Jr. Third round pick, uh, but no, no heart. Well, I think he might have been rushed, uh, uh, just a smidge. Probably. Uh, but that was in the King's Dark era when, uh, yep. you know, when we had his defensive partner, Yaroslav Modri. And uh, who I kind of liked, I gotta be honest. With you. He, I thought he was. My, you put him on a good team. I think he's he he would do he well. He was on Dallas's good team, and they got rid of him. He was the whipping boy. He was oh boy. But those were some. We can. Uh, those were some dark, dark times for the Kings. I mean, that Melrose era put this. You know, even when they got to the cup, you, you know, they were only four games over 500. Yeah. You know, it's not like Melrose was also, a great coach. No, well, it was also, listen, you know, Gretzky was hurt most of the year. He came back at the right time. And it's like, whoever gets hot, it's like Pittsburgh is hot right now. They have, they they had, you know, uh, 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 the backup goaltender who was... Zakoff. No, no, the the, the other one who was who was in the, the finals against against uh, our guy in, in, in Manchester last year. I have Matt Murray stuck in my head. That's not right. Right. I have Doug Murray stuck in my head. <laughs> oh, my God, the freight train. He comes to the comedy store every now and then, really? and he's great. He's so nice, and what a monster, yeah. man. I mean, but, uh, well, it'll be an interesting uh, 
you know, because Toffoli's getting a raise next year to, to uh, Jesus, at least five. Well, he's. I think he's on the hook for one more year, three point eight. But they're gonna have to re. They're, they're gonna have to negotiate. I have a feeling that that's one. That's one guy they'll actually let go in the future, depending on on uh, what happens with Michael Mersh. If you know, if Mersh comes up and and becomes what what you know what what they. You mean Lucic? No. Are you talking Toffoli? Michael Michael, Michael Mersh. Yeah, Toffoli. Toffoli. I don't know if they can afford. Yeah, because they can't afford to keep him. I mean, you got to get rid of guys. 30, 30 goal score. You know, you keep him around. You try and sign him at a, sign him at a discount, but you know, he's a year away from free agency, and I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be tough. You know? I mean, you've made deals in the acting world. Is the sales pitch to Toffoli and and even Lucic? Listen, it's gonna be a good team for at least the next three to four years. Me, or do you want to go to Vancouver? Let me tell you something. They're going to Vancouver. They're going where the money is. You know, I mean, it's. I mean, because he's won two cups. Well, look at, look at, look at. You know, hopefully, two cups. Sakara or what, however the hell he's. Sakarash. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's. He could have stayed. He could have stayed here. Played on a great team. Played on a. You know, probably would have won a few more games with him. And he chooses Edmonton. I mean, these. I mean, you know, it, it, that to me was just a, a pure sign of. No, this this guy's this guy. He's going for the money. That could hurt the Kings. Going, that I mean, deal. It's like, look at Stamkos. If Stamkos wanted to wanted to stay in Tampa Bay, he would have signed in Tampa Bay. But Where do you think he goes? Do you think he goes to Toronto? I think he goes to the Kings. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. See, this is why I love you because I remember some of the things you used to say on Hockey Buzz, and this so we had known each other. But I was like I'd saying to myself, "This guy's insane with these stories." <laughs> Didn't you have a Lecavalier story once that we were going to get him, or it was some wacky like no one else is reporting this? Like there was once it might not have been Lecavalier who I love. I had you have to you have to understand something, and and this is and I'll reveal it on on your show, which I've never revealed before. But you have to understand that everyone, almost everyone in this town wants to be an actor. And in my position as a casting director, well, sometimes you get favors in exchange for inside information. So I had a lot of inside information that I probably shouldn't have had. Um, and again, it's like, and this is, by the way, and this is why I got into a huge fight with Helene Elliott. Um, Kings, that beat reporter, for those of you not knowing yeah, that. From the, for the LA, for the LA times is that when we had, uh, uh, Smith, um, uh, he got hurt. In, Ryan Smith. In Ryan Smith. He got hurt in, in Florida and Helene was reporting, oh, he's only going to be out a couple of weeks. Well, I knew he broke his ribs, you know, cause I had my insider saying he broke his ribs. He's going to be out six weeks. And I wrote in my column, Helene is wrong. He's going to be out six weeks. She went ape shit. Because she had no, I, I mean, I'm assuming she had inside sources. They, did, she, they do, they, they have what they want to give you. Right. But I had my inside. So, I mean, I had, I had a lot of friends on the team. Um, I had a lot of friends from uh, uh, the, the, inner office workings. Right. And it was like, you know, sometimes some things they'd say, you can report this or you can't report this. I mean, there were, I mean, there were things that I couldn't talk about. Like there was, there was there early on when, uh, when uh, uh, Simmons, Simmons and Jack Johnson got into a fist fight after a game in, uh, in, in San Jose. Against each other? Yes. Oh. They, they got, they got the shit kicked out of them seven to four. And they were, they were in a, in a playoff race and, 
Jack Johnson was pissed off. And basically, uh, Sim was like, hey, you know, let's go out and get some cocktails. And I was like, we just got our fucking ass kicked. How about we go back to the hotel, get a good night's rest and, you know, and work harder. And he was like, why don't you mind your own fucking business? And they went at it. And they went on an eight-game losing streak right after that. I would think that would have pumped the team up. No. No, it divided the team. It, it divided the team. So I imagine the younger there, guys. I mean, there was a lot of things. I mean, it's just like, you know, Lombardi talked, talked about this, like, you know, when, when, you know uh, when Smith has to be traded. It was like, he has to be traded, like, right before the playoffs. You, you know, it's just like, the deadline's passed. We can't get rid of you. But there was, you know, there's, there's lots of insider shit that, you know... I, I I can't say as you you know you know inside shit. Oh sure. Um, and it's just you know it's just stuff that well it's really kind of none of none of anybody's business. So you know I just well, it's personal stuff like you know uh, the you know there are always the rumors that Richards and Carter got traded out of Philly because they you know they maybe weren't the best influences on each other and then they end up in Hermosa Beach right which right. you can't find hotter girls on the planet right. than Redondo Hermosa it's Beach a, it's a, look it's like also when you're when you're I went through this as an actor when you're young and you're given money and everybody's telling you how great you are you think you're invincible and you don't you don't act again most of these guys aren't well educated you know they're not they don't go to college you know, they're, they're, they're playing hockey 15, 16 years old and not giving a crap about school. So, you know, it's the same thing with actors. Actors don't finish, finish school. They're on set all the time getting a GED, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And so you don't, you don't really have the mindset to, hey, let's balance a checkbook. Hey, let's hire people who know what to do with your money. I'm like, hey, you know, I've got 50 grand. Let's party. It's right. never going to end. Let's go to Vegas and do some I mean, booger sugar. Oh, right. I mean, it's doing, like you know, yeah. and it's. I mean, look, you know, the 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 Viper Room. We we all thought you know we were infallible when we were when we were young actors out here. And then when River Phoenix died, it was kind of like the brakes got put on. It was like, oh shit. So the street right here. That's right up the block. I was like, oh shit, you know. And we kind of all took a big step back, and it's like. Mm, maybe we shouldn't do so much blow. Right. Know, we're, we're not rock stars, you know? Um, and so a lot of, lot of us had to clean up our acts. Um, so what happens in sports, too. Of course it does. Of course it does. It's, 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 it's a lot more than, than we know. And the pressures of being in that limelight, in that, on that stage, is tremendous. We just, you know, we're just... It's it's no different than being in the Coliseum with the Lions. I mean, that's really what it is. Surviving. These guys are surviving every day. And every day you get to survive to play another game is a great, great day. And they deserve every penny that they make. Oh, absolutely. And it's just, it's like, it's like, cause you know, we're just, we're all animals, you know, in the stands, you know, screaming, and you know, at these, at, 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 you know, they're still human beings. Um, I mean, look at all these fight tapes I have. <laughs> I, I can't watch them anymore because I feel guilty. Uh, well, with especially with what's going on, it's like you look at these guys. You look at the stories where the guy can't even remember his kids' names. Well, they showed. Uh, there, I think it was a New York Times article on Bugard, and mm -hmm. uh, they showed a picture of a normal brain. Yep, a couple dots on it, like three or four dots on it. Yeah, and then then they showed his brain, and it was like, like literally, I think twenty five or something. And it's yeah, like, mush. Uh, and here I am collecting his jerseys and 
you know buying dvds of his greatest fights and like but then i watch the ufc every time it's on so right and and the old the, the other thing is is that okay there's guys like you know marty mcsorley who seem to be fine you know you see ty domi seems to be fine you know yeah so it's 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 uncharted territory there's there's i'm sure there's more often than not you get punched in the head you get punched in the face it's going to affect you you know it's, oh. it's going to take you know years off off your life it's going to create you know not good things when your brain is being smushed into the back of your skull and and what those what those guys guys did way back in the day i mean all the time. Can you imagine the like the guys in the seventies and, oh, and like when it was man, jungle brutal, hockey. Brutal. You watch any hockey game from the seventies, early eighties, and that's all it was. Based on the rules of today, you'd be like, there'd be fifty penalties in this game. Well, it it also <laughs> keep in mind too is that is that they weren't as well crafted as right. they are now. They aren't. I mean, it was it was, you know, the muscle development. You know, and the and the you know the the things that they take to strengthen and to turn these guys into rock hard chiseled beasts wasn't quite the seventy seventy. You know, you lifted some weights, but it wasn't as prominent as it is now. Right. And so I, I'm not saying you know getting punched in the face in the seventies is different than now, but I think it's probably different now because of technique. Well, and they're just like you know the guy who got me into hockey was uh, there was a player on the Rangers. Nick Fotillo. Same team, different guy, uh, Barry Beck. Oh, sure. I remember Barry Beck. Uh, you know, 6'3", 220, had this great, like, Jufro, <laughs> biggest guy in the league other than Clark Gillies. Nobody would fight him. He was really good. And uh, I was just, he was like the shack of hockey. He was just so dominating. And, uh, of course, the Kings got him when he was like, I've, so, I've never been so excited when we got Barry Beck. And then it was like, wow, he's wearing a helmet. Oh, oh boy, this he is won't not... fight. Yeah, he's done. Well, he couldn't. His shoulders were all fucked up. But yeah. Barry Beck, it, if he played today, would not be the biggest guy on his team, no. let alone uh, no. the league. So it's. I mean, you look at you look at a guy like John Scott, and you go, Jesus. I mean, it's like it's. I mean, six eight two seventy naked. So. He, I mean, I mean the guy. I mean the guy. I hated forever and still do, just because I think he's. And, and I'll say it on the air. I think he's a, as a human, he's a piece of shit. Is Donald Brashear? Well, you know, Donald. I mean, Donald Brashear was was the badass. But it's like you know. Then he was. Then he was. <laughs> he's got the helmet. Of course you do. But it's like. Donald Brashear was, you know, off the ice, not a good person. He beat up his neighbors in the locker room, and he damn near killed a guy. If you look at the footage, if you actually fight, he damn near killed yes. a guy in... in The L-N-A-H. Right. There Glenn Kernstead. Yes. Very good. But I won't... I'm not defending him, but there are rumors... That he called him the N-word. The N-word, which, you know, as two white... I, I don't think there's two whiter guys on earth than you and I. <laughs> I mean, I don't know of a word uh, that... Uh, it, it, for white people that even comes close to the n-word so i i'm not saying what he did was right but it if i was black and someone called me uh, a word that rhymes w w you know with bigger i get it but it it's like okay when the guys when the guy's out you don't keep hitting him 
No, I get it. But I like, is there a word for white people that even comes close to that? I mean, I'm Jewish, uh, race Catholic, but I mean, if someone, I guess I know the word kike is, is not, uh, yeah. I mean, look, there's no, I don't think there's any, any word for any other race that's worse than the quote unquote N word. I mean, I know women, uh, have the cunt is not, uh, that's that's pretty close. That's, That's probably number two. But uh, no, I, I, you know, Brashear, of course, I have about 20 of his jerseys. Of course, of course. But that was, but that was, a, that was a guy, it, it's just like, great fighter. Great, great fighter. I mean, well, there's debate on that because his style was to, they called him Huggy Bear because he would grab you and give you little noogies. Right, and, well, then, and then Southpaw, he was a Southpaw. He fought not to lose. Yeah. Which, you know... And this is a great debate for for hockey fans. Do these guys, when they fought, and it's the same thing in UFC, I guess, the exciting fighters are going to be brain dead in in, in 10 years. Uh, But the guys who fight safe, they have longer careers. So, but is it bad that we like, like, I like the exciting fighters. There's a heavyweight in the UFC named Mark Hunt. Uh, they call the super Samoan. They call him. He just throws bombs, right. and he gets hit. He gets knocked out, or he either knocks you out. <laughs> right. Uh, what his brain is going to be like in in ten years, uh, you know. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's just like you know, yeah. In hockey world, I would say an exciting fighter was. Uh, I mean, there's many, but uh, well, Probert. Uh, he Probert and Domi. The Probert Domi. Oh, that second. Uh, were were I mean they they were just I mean you know. Domi was the was the was the was the bad guy, and watching watching him go at it was was great. I mean, you know, we had you know Dave Schultz was a, was a, was was fun to watch. Tiger Williams was insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, we could. Uh, I mean, Clark. But I like the guys who almost like Clark Gillies. Yeah. No one fought him because <laughs> after he broke Ed Hospodar's jaw. Yeah. And Ed Hospodar was a tough tough jim fox's bodyguard and for the uh, ottawa 67s yeah. uh and when he destroyed that hospital i think people are oh boy we better not fight this guy well i was like remember uh you know matt johnson ended buka boom's career uh, well punch. yeah though i was at that game i was like jesus that was a sucker punch uh and, well really johnson wasn't the same after that because no. i think he mentally Checked out. Got so much, probably shit from guys on his own team. What are you doing? Bookaboom, I will say this. And I named my dog Bookaboom. So I was a fan. He was kind of a dirty player. And I in that game, I have a Rain Man-like ability to, to remember <laughs> these things. I shouldn't. You wonder why my comedy career is where it's at. It's because I can remember what Bookaboom did. He did a knee-to-knee hit on Ray Ferraro. Mm. I'm not saying it was on purpose, but he did do it. And then he had another hit that was questionable. And so I get Johnson's uh, motivation. All right, you want a cheap shot us? Well, here's a cheap shot for you. And I, and I, and I get it. It's like, it's like, you know, I have a feeling Lucic, Lucic is going to do something stupid like that. I mean, I liked it the other day when I think they were, when they were playing the, the, the Ducks a couple of games ago when somebody ran our goaltender and he went right up to yeah. their goaltender and like stood in front of him and said, you know, you better watch it. And you, you you kind of you kind of like that. Well, he did know? it the other night against Winnipeg, and I, you know, as someone who's torn their ACL before, I'm very sensitive. He totally could have stopped, but he kind of his left knee kind of hit the right knee of the Jets goalie, and you know when yeah. you do that from behind, your knee straightens up, yep. and it's it's 
And I was like, you know, even though he's on my team, I'm like, oh, that's bordering on like a Rafi Torres kind of like, uh. Yeah, yeah. That, the, the day that guy goes out, it was like, you know, uh, Brian Marchment was another one, a dirty, dirty player. I think he, we have his uh, son in the farm system, yeah, Jake. Yeah, but he was, a, he was a dirty player. I never liked the dirty players. Well, dirty players, I think, are making a comeback because, uh, you know, there's no... I don't know if well, uh, it's, I mean, look, the Matt Cooks of the world are, are out of the league. You know, I mean, it's just like you know, they're 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 gone. They they, they have to be. You know, the 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 Coletta and Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it's just like there's no place. Godier, who you got me my all time. If you know my hockey jersey collection, which uh, I'm looking to find a bulk buyer, Russell Peters, if you're listening, I know you've got the coin. Uh, Dane Cook, if you're out there, stuff them all in your Lamborghini. Uh, I did a Dane Cook movie. I know. Well, we're, you know, we might get back into the casting thing for a second, but I don't know what names I can say. I know you got to like you want to work in this town, so there's things I want to ask that you know I don't. I try not to edit anything out, Matt, but. Uh, you got me a Denny Godier jersey for a hundred dollars, yeah. and it was the one where, speaking of Coletta, he sucker punched Coletta yeah. after Coletta tried to elbow uh, Jared Stoll in the corner. Right. So a hundred dollars is all. I remember he, here. You know, I should have been asking you for help in Hollywood. Like, hey, I mean, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not an actor, but like, you know, hey, you know, can you come see me do stand up or? You know anyone from Gersh might be interested in seeing me? Instead, I'm going, hey, can you get me hockey jerseys on the cheap? I love Denny Godier, but he just, you know, he, he was, was a dirty player, basically. Yeah, and, he, was, uh, he was brutal on the Kings. See, I liked him. I thought he was a good... Uh, brutal. A good penalty killer. Yeah, see, I, I just remember the one game that was like an important game against the Red Wings, and he had such a horrible giveaway you know, in the zone that like cost us the game that it's like, I've I do never, remember that never forgiven him right in front of the net. Right. But I think dirty players, uh, are, you know, there's no, uh, they know they're not going to have Donald Brashear hop over the boards and beat them up. So it's, uh, I find the play now dirtier than I've ever seen it. Well, how is, I mean, who, who led the Kings in penalty minutes this year? I would, if I, I, I would guess either Clifford or Nolan. Who? Number three. McNabb. Well, he's, uh, I don't want to say he's a dirty player, he's, but he's kind of borderline. He's he, got, you know, he's like a bigger version of Godier, like better I, offensively. I, I well, if 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 he had Terry Murray coaching him, he'd have a lot more penalties. But he's got a good coach. You know, uh, Daryl Sutter has just been a great coach and a mastermind. That's that's one thing that the Kings do have going for them is they have a a master, which is why I knew you know two seasons ago we were going to beat the Ducks in Game Seven. It's just that there's no way that Bruce Bruce Boudreaux's an idiot. Sorry, um, it, it's just it, it's it's why Washington got get of him got rid of him, and I don't think he's going to win anything with the Ducks because he's just not he's just not a good coach. Well, I mean, I'll he's tell had you. great yeah he's had great teams, but he's just not a good coach, especially when when it comes down to it. I mean, it's like uh, you know uh, uh, Sutter ran ran what's the what's the term ramshod over him. Well, yeah, well, I tell you, I, I, the Kings are as close to of a dynasty as you could get. Let, I want to talk about that middle season they didn't win the Cup because there was a lot of shit going on in that. You know, they won the Cup in 2012, the, uh, unprecedented run in the playoffs that yeah. I've never seen, basically yeah. dominating every round. Yeah, insane. And then uh, the, the second, uh, the mid, the season after that, the prime to win the Cup again. Lost and, to Chicago. Uh, you lost to Chicago. You still got hurt, which I still. So did Richard. Richard's got that concussion that pretty much ended his career. Yeah, and well, and then there's the um, 
you know, this is the part when you're analyzing sports, you have to, there's the human side and how good of a person someone is. And then there's the, the business side of it. And Slava Voinov, if he doesn't do what he did, allegedly, uh, I don't want to get sued. Uh, I th- I think the Kings win the cup in that middle of the year. If, if Richards doesn't get hurt, yep. if Stoll doesn't get hurt, and people like Earl, it's Jared Stoll, how important he is. You no, know, he was. You win your Stanley Cups on third and fourth he lines. Got, he got knocked out by Torres. Right, yeah. Hit, dirty hit by Torres. And you have Voinov. I, you know, you hate to, I mean, you know, obviously horrible what he probably did. Allegedly, uh, you have those three guys, and I think we win the third cup. We we probably we we could have with Voinov in there. Yeah, Voinov, yeah I mean, Voinov was. I mean, it just goes to show you the void that the Kings have not filled. I mean, that's the tough thing. You're like, you know, what? An, I mean, listen, I've never hit a woman. I've come close about a year ago. I didn't, but so you say, God, what an awful person. But then, well, he's got a hell of a shot. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but you can't, you can't. I mean, there's, there, it's, it's, there's things they can cover up, and there's things you can't. Well, I mean, and there was, there was a lot more to the to the story than we're led to believe, which is why they, you know, why they got rid of him. Well, I mean, from what I, you know, not that I'm Matt Drudge and have inside, uh, so I'm not even Matt Perry, but like, I, for, Few people I know who know a guy who knows a guy. It was like it was pretty bad. Uh, I'm not trying to put you well, on. Just the look spot. at the picture. Just look at the picture. Yeah. It's like she did not get that from walking into a TV. And uh, yeah, and, you know, rumors of stairs and uh, kicking. Whatever. This. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever happened happened. Um, Which is crazy because he was never that aggressive in the corners. Right. So I don't know. Uh, well, it's you know we we all listen. You know we all have demons. Oh, absolutely. We, we all have our, our, our dark sides. Um, you know, his just, you know, unfortunately. Might have cost us a cup. Well, yeah. but it's, I, I hate to say that, but like. But it, but it did. It's like I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I grew up, my dad was friends with Art Rooney, the owner, like the guy. Mm-hmm. So we got, uh, every year I got a game used Super Bowl ball autographed by the whole team. Every year. So I had four Super Bowl balls signed by 11 Hall of Famers. Nice. And what did I do with him? I would go in the backyard, throw him against the... I was so lonely as a kid. I would throw the balls against the brick wall and play catch with myself. <laughs> Erased everything. Those balls would be worth 20, 30 grand. Just, there's never been... A, I don't think people... I know this in a football talk, but that team had nine Hall of Famers on it out of 22 starters. That will never, ever happen. Because mainly the salary cap, but... And here I am... So I'm a huge Steeler guy. Off season, we signed Michael Vick, and I'm a huge dog lover. Mm-hmm. I've had probably literally I'm 47. I probably had 40 dogs in my life, maybe 50. And we signed Michael Vick, and I was so angry and so pissed, and just like he broke. He not only financed those dog fighting rings, he killed like three dogs personally. I mean, granted they were losers, so I mean he had some, and. I remember seeing their first preseason game and I was just, my stomach was just nauseous. And then he threw a 70 yard strike touchdown on his first play. I'm like, you know, he's not so bad. Right. Well, we, we, we forgive, we forgive, you know, we forgive the athletes, you know, it's just like, except OJ. Um, well, he, he, was, yeah. he was not guilty. 
Well, you know, this is a good segue back into casting. Well, <laughs> I've never hired O.J. Simpson. Well, you know, he was the original choice for Terminator. I did not know that. They There's a great, if you go, I don't think you would do this, uh, uh, the Terminator Gold Edition DVD, and they were talking about uh, the first two choices ahead of Arnold were one of my favorite character actors, Lance Henriksen, mm-hmm. who I just love. I love Lance. Good guy, too. He was just in something I saw. I think he was on Blacklist last week. Looked a little rough, but hey, it's all good. Uh, but I guess for whatever reason, uh, there's original uh, promo pictures of him in the Terminator outfit. So that's how close he was to getting it. And then O.J. Simpson, and they interview the casting director, and this is not a joke. She said, I did not find him believable as a killer. <laughs> that's wild. Now, I want to put your casting hat on, the people versus O.J. Simpson. I had a few, not problems, because I think overall it was a, a very, you know, when you know the outcome of something, it, it still drew you in. Yeah, Titanic, hello. Right, in uh, Flight 93, uh, although the camera work on that was a little, it's like the, the jerky camera motions were a little much for me. But uh, here was my problem, and, and I'm saying this almost as a fan. You're the pro. I'm just the guy watching the show on the air. Uh, the guy who played Chris Darden, unbelievable. Looked just like him, sounded like him. Uh, uh, Nathan Lane, it's F. Lee Bailey. Uh, great. I could see it. Now, Cuba Gooding, the problem I have with the show is John Travolta towers over Cuba Gooding. Mm-hmm. And in real life, it was the complete opposite, where O.J. towered over Robert Shapiro. As a casting director, do you think they looked at that and said, well, Cuba's such a good actor even though he's not as big physically as OJ. Like, what, what do you think their thought process was? Who else is going to play him? I mean, I'll put my casting hat on. Now you and I are in an and, office. And will they say yes? Because right. I have a feeling that, you know, okay, if you get, you know, if you get Michael Ely or you get, you know, any of them. Idris Elba. Right. Idris is, Idris is not going to play that role. Because do you think it's like, I don't want to play OJ Simpson. No, you don't. Why, why would you? I mean, I think I think that I think that my guess would be that Cuba was probably choice number six. Well, let's just say, and uh, I, you know, I don't know if you can, you know, guess on stuff like this because you know it's your job, so I don't want to jeopardize any. Uh, like I'm looking, okay, who looks? I go visually, okay, who looks like O.J. Simpson? Is it maybe Denzel Washington? I'm assuming he wouldn't have done it. Right. He's too big, right? right? Is that correct? Just right. he's, wh- not, he's not going to do it. Does that go into like you're sitting there with a list of 20 names? Sure. You go, this guy's just too big. He's not going to do it. Right. Well, you you make the call. You know, you say, do you think he'd be interested? I mean, look, you know, they got Travolta, so why not? You ask. Who well, I thought killed it is Robert Shapiro. I think it was, it was really good. He was really good. Um. But it's 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 again. Sometimes you have to you have to settle for what's again. They have to sell the thing, you know. So it's it's not like they're just going to show it on on television here. No, they sell it overseas as a movie or as a miniseries. So you know they got to box it up, and you know the you know the, the people in Germany and Japan and China, you know ha, you know have to see you know a recognizable name. And he's a big name worldwide. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean. Yes, yes, and no. I mean, it's you know, there's 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 the ugly debate on whether the African Americans can sell a film overseas, and the only one that seems to have accomplished that is Will Smith, because um, you can't sell a you know an Ice Cube movie overseas, and I love Cube, and and you can you can't sell 
um, um, Denzel, believe it or not. Um, you could at one point though, right? There, no, I think that it, it's 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 interesting when you when when you go to these these places to try and finance your film because when you finance your film, you know they they pre-sell it in all the markets and comedies don't sell. It's like you can't sell Jim Carrey, you can't sell. Um, you know, Jason Sudeikis. Is it because an American comedy, like American, it doesn't translate? Right. It won't. It won't. It won't. It won't translate. So you want action stars, which is why Bruce Willis has been, you know, the the guy. I mean, literally, he costs a million dollars a day. If you want Bruce Willis, it's a million dollars a day. Okay. Will there be another Die Hard movie? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, I imagine there will be, just like there we all thought there would never ever be another Rocky movie, and there was. And he, and he was great in it, and he did. Might again, win an Oscar. It's it's you know Stallone is smart, and I like and I like St Stallone. Um, I laugh because I have a golf story with Stallone. Um, well, feel free to tell it. I mean, do you, how are you on time? I never so ask. I'm, um, You're good. A few more minutes. I think so. Uh, sure. Okay. All right, my Stallone story. So, it's we're, we're out at the uh, 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 Mountain Gate Country Club. It's it's. Uh, uh, was me, a member. Me, Stallone, and and Nick Cassavetes, who stands about six six, and you know, and there's a, a fourth guy there, another uh, big guy, and so we're at the tee box, and we hear this rustling. In the in the woods above us, and we're like, "What the hell? What the hell is that?" And all of a sudden, this thing comes in front of us, like on the ladies' tee, and it stands up, and it's got these claws, and it's going, it's hissing at us, right? Now you got to realize we, we got you got you know Stallone and and, and Cassavetes, two big guys, and they're we're, we're grabbing our clubs, right? Like, and Stallone goes, "That thing's a badger." Those things kill bears. <laughs> We're going, okay. So this thing is just, it's its kind of like a Mexican standoff where it's just standing there. We're like, all right, is he going to move? Is he going to go away? So Stallone goes and picks up a rock, right? Big size, size rock. Heaves it at this thing. Thunk. Lands right next to him. And he just looks at it, looks back at us, and we go, oh, shit. Because if that thing charges at us, it could tear us up. Right. So the four of us are standing there with our clubs, like waiting for this thing to attack us. And then finally it just looks at us and he goes, yeah, that's what I thought. And slowly walks back into the woods and we start cracking up. Wow. It's like, here we are, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of big dudes get scared by a, a freaking, you know, well, 20 pound badger. This is a little mountain gate trivia. It's built on a landfill. Yes, it is. Here's a. I grew up playing golf at Bel Air Country Club, mm -hmm. and you know it's it's like that's. I mean, it's hard to describe how beautiful that club is. It's probably the nicest real estate in the world. I mean, definitely in L.A. I mean, it's just the middle of Bel Air. Uh, then my dad sold a membership. I really wanted to get back into the country club game because once you've played golf at a country club, you can't play Rancho. But it's, no. Sorry, seven hour round. No thanks with you know peanut vendors and El Pollo Loco uh, construction workers. Not no uh, disrespect. So I joined Mountain Gate because I thought it was so cool that here was a country club that allowed minorities. Like if you know anything about the country club world, which I know you do, mm -hmm. Bel Air, L.A. Country Club, Brentwood, uh, 
they don't uh, let's just say it's very white at these places still today um and i thought wow i'm gonna join they have mexicans uh you know jewish people asians blacks first day i joined mountain gate i put my bag down walking to buy some golf balls come out my clothes were stolen oh, <laughs> so i was a member for one day for you you know but you know, Stallone, so the Expendables, like some people will look at the Expendables 3 and go, Jesus, this is a little long on the tooth. Although I love seeing Dolph Lundgren on a, a, a movie screen again. Is that why? Because it's, it's got Bruce Willis, it's got Dolph Lundgren. It's got- well, it's, it's like, it's like, and you get them taking the mickey out of themselves. If you make fun of yourself, you know, who doesn't love self-deprecation? I mean, it's, if, you, if you take yourself too seriously, you know, then the, the, then you, the audience turns on you. You know, but if you're if you're if you're humble and and grateful, the audience loves you. Is that almost like why Seagal seems to not w- w- work anymore? No, it, no at least no. in movies. It's it's. I mean, he's a he's a a, a, a deputy, right? He's Isn't lawman. Sure? Yeah, lawman. No, it's just like, it's it's like look, he's you know he's he's been a dick for years. He's going to continue to be a dick, and who wants to work with a dick? Because it it you know. Uh, well, there's one name I want to bring up to you, but I, I don't want to. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to edit it out. But like, there, there's a. Uh, let's just say this. You've and I don't want to get. It, I can't edit this out if you, if you're uncomfortable. But I won't mention his name. But there's a big name comic you uh, worked with in a movie, and I remember you saying it wasn't the most pleasant experience, and you would never work with him again. Is it? As a casting, I liked working with Dane Cook. I want you oh! to know that. <laughs> watch out. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, I like. I like. I actually like Dane Cook. But I mean, humor, uh, humor, humor. No. Right, but a big, it, a big comic that I that I worked with. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, but so I guess my point is like you're casting a movie. Mm-hmm. You need a stand-up comic or uh, an actor. Uh, you've got down to two choices. One guy's really great. But he's a dick. Second choice or one choice one A is not as good, but everyone loves him. Who do you go with? This is this is this. Is, okay, I'll give you a story from from Crimson Tide. Gene Hackman, please act again, please. God is a love. I love Gene, and the greatest guy. He literally opened up his trailer to all the guys, you know, and said, "Hey, come on in. Let, let's talk boxing." You know, oh. we would sit there for hours upon hours talking about fighters and, and boxing. And he was just just a guy's guy, the greatest guy. I loved him. Loved him. But, okay, the movie takes place in a submarine. And the submarine was built on what is called a gimbal, which is basically a set that moves. Uh, it's on hydraulics. And they have to, you know, basically, you're a family that's on this thing. You can't go pee. You know, you're just sitting there for, you know, until lunchtime for, you know, four hours at a time. And there were two actors for one of the roles of, you know, on 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 that 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 boat. I'll give you another story too. And there were two actors for the for the last role. And one of them was really good actor, but he had kind of a reputation of being a pain in the ass. There was another guy, really, really good guy. Um, not as good. But we hired the guy who was not as good because, you know, Tony Scott was going back and forth. And I said, look, we're going to be on that gimbal for a while. You don't want a pain in the ass. You don't want a whiner. You want a team player. And that guy lost a job because he was kind of kind of a dick. A huge movie. Like, the, yeah. I mean. I'll give, you, I'll, give you a great, I'll give you a great 
Crimson Tide story. So um, James Gandolfini, who um, I worked with very early in his career, one of his first films on a film called Money for Nothing, um, loved Gandolfini, was grateful that he got, got the role in that movie, a John Cusack movie, didn't do very well. But we had so much trouble casting this role. And, and uh, Tony Scott had worked with Gandolfini on True Romance and wanted Gandolfini, but Gandolfini wasn't available. He was shooting some movie in France. And we couldn't find the role. And we were about to film, we we're about to film, and they changed the schedule. And I noticed that they had changed the schedule, and I went, wait a minute. So I called up Gandolfini's agent, and I said, and he said when does he finish that film in France? And it turns out he, f- he finished the film in France the day the character that we wanted was supposed to start working. So it worked out. We made a deal. He literally flew in from France that night and came to work on the set that, that morning. Now we're on this gimbal and the gimbal is tilted at, you know, probably a 25, maybe 30, 30 degree angle. And the first thing that we shoot is a confrontation scene between his character and Denzel's. Now, again, it's just us actors on this movable set and all the cameras are, are off to the side. They, you know, they, they move the, the, the cameras away so they can tilt the, the, the stage. So it's just us actors. And it's like, okay, you know, they do a rehearsal, great, okay, they blocked it up perfectly. First take. The the shot is is Gandolfini, you know, grabs, you know, Denzel. Denzel swats his hand away, and then everybody points their guns and it's all, you know, it's all tension filled. Okay, great. Easy enough. First take. Gandolfini grabs Denzel. Denzel hits his hand. Gandolfini don't let go. Denzel hits him again. He don't let go. Denzel hits him a third time, and Gandolfini punches Denzel. Oh, and we're we're going like, what the hell's going on? Now, basically, they're now going out of frame, fighting each other. Legit, and, legit. They were they were wrestling. They were they're going at it. They're going at it. And because we're on a gimbal, you know, they're not staying in camera. They're kind of going down, and the actors are kind of going like, what the hell's going on? And then like they're starting to wrestle with each other. And then it's like, Hey, 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 you know, in a cut, cut, cut. And they're trying to move the stage, you know, really quickly to get that. And they're trying to, you know, get the gimbal up. And Denzel is pissed. He's a big guy. He's big and he he can handle himself, but he's pissed. This is like the first day, the first, like the first take first shot. And, and Denzel is hot. Uh, You know, of course he, she, she, of course he would be. And so, and so Denzel's like, I don't know why they fucking hired this guy. And he's just going off. And of course, Bruckheimer's there and Tony Scott's there. And so it takes about an hour to calm him down. And, and, and Gandolfini, to his credit, apologizes to, you know, to the entire crew. He says, look, and he's because he's a method actor. He got into it. He says, look, you know, I apologize to everybody. You know, I just came off a plane from France. I'm tired. You know, I just, I just went with it. Just, I just kind of, you know, I snapped a little bit. I apologize to everybody. I feel really, really horrible. And Denzel was like, okay, you know. But it, but it was like, that was like first day, first day. And like, holy mackerel. Right. Holy mackerel. It was like, wow. That's that's something. Because I was there. I was actually there on the set, on the gimbal, because Tony had hired me to play like that. Plainsman. Plainsman. There you go. Um, driving <laughs> driving the boat. But it was, a, yeah, it was an interesting first day to, you know, to to say the least. 
Well, I mean, I, I'm just, I, I'm such a Gene Hackman guy. Like, you could put him in Porky's Four, <laughs> and he would be great in it. Like, yeah. he's in one of my favorite war movies ever that went so under the radar. Speaking of casting, Uncommon Valor, mm. uh, you know, Robert Stack, Patrick. I think it might have been Swayze's first movie. Uh, and then the great boxer, Randall Tex Cobb. Oh, God, do I love Randall Tex Cobb. Who, uh, you know, I knew originally as a boxer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he just, he became famous because that one fight he had with Larry Holmes. He just, I mean, he laughed took, at he, him. He took a beating. But he laughed at him. Yeah. Hit me again. I mean, it, right, exactly. He was just like, you didn't put me down, right? Yeah. yeah. It was Rocky without uh, no any offense. It was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. Oh, I, I I will never forget that fight. I mean, I've never seen a human being take a beating so bad and laugh at him. It made Howard Cosell quit the yeah, sport. He did. He did. Which, he did. Well, you know, there's a silver lining in everything. And he became kind of uh, a semi-successful character actor, yeah. Raising yeah. Arizona. We tried, and- we, we tried to get him for something. I can't remember what it was. Cassavetes was friends with him. And um, we tried to get him for something. And I can't remember. I can't remember what, what it was. It might have been some war film that we were doing. And uh, yeah, he was in... Texas somewhere, I believe. It might have been uncommon. Was it uh, not uncommon? Valor? No, no. It was a film that it was a film that that never got made called Going After Cacciato. Um, that was just genius. I mean, you do you want to talk about a cast? We had DiCaprio, uh, uh, Owen Wilson, um, Spider Man, Toby Maguire, Toby Maguire, and they wouldn't make the film. The financiers wouldn't make the film. This was before everybody became famous, of course. Um, but they wouldn't make the film unless Al Pacino was the star. And Al Pacino did a reading of it in New York and then decided, nah, I don't want to make this movie. It was a great script. Well, he made Cruise and Jesus Christ, yeah, I mean, which is one of my... F- remember that film? I mean, that movie was uh, real deep. Uh, great storyline. Gay serial killer. He goes undercover. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, I like to end podcast. You know, two weeks ago, I don't know if you've ever worked with this man. I had Eric Bischoff on and... Uh, he uh, does a lot of reality TV, but he was uh, basically ran the WCW wrestling organization against Vince McMahon and was the only wrestling company to ever beat the WWE in ratings for two years. Uh, I threw him a wacky idea because he's friends with Hulk Hogan. You know, Hulk Hogan said the N-word, that whole thing. So I said, hey, Eric, can I pitch you an idea about a way to get Hulk Hogan back in the wrestling business? And he gets up, uh, sitting right where you are. He gets on the edge of a seat. He's into it. This is my shot. You have Hulk Hogan do a battle royal with every black wrestler on the roster. <laughs> and he just looked at me stone-faced. Like, and then what? I'm like, oh, gee, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's wrestling. Make it up. So I haven't, you know, the other day, a couple weeks ago at that show I do at the Comedy Store Roast Battle, Jason Reitman was there. And he loves me. I think it's because of the hockey, but he, I think he thinks I'm insane. And he's like, you got any ideas you want to pitch me? No. He's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it producer, director, yep. Yep. it's got a show on Hulu. So I'm like, I started, Jesus Christ, this guy's asking me if I have any things. And I did, I pitched him something. I want to run it by you. Because you're a hockey guy too. I got an idea for a movie. It's Cool Runnings meets Blazing Saddles meets Roots. It's a movie about the first all-black hockey team to win the Stanley Cup. Now, here's a storyline. Let's take a minute to do. It's an ABA team, basketball. Minor league basketball doesn't have to be ABA. The team folds. 12 black guys. They need a job. They have no job skills. 
but their athletic skills. So they see an ad in the paper for a hockey rink. So why don't we just take up hockey? So the first scene, one shot, what they call in the business, Zamboni doors open. You just see a basketball bouncing on the ice. They need a coach. And I got Rob Schneider cast on this in my head, but I'm sure. I want to know who you would cast as the coach. He's the ex-Grand Dragon of the KKK. He gets fired for not fundraising enough money. He needs a job. He looks in the paper saying, hockey coach needed. Saying, wow, it's going to be all white people. First day, he's carrying his phone in the locker room. It's like, yeah, I got a new job. Best part about it is, as he's opening the door, I don't have to work with any... Opens up the door. That's all I got. Is that a sellable movie? Hell it's called Black Eyes. <laughs> you know what's funny is I was I was I was I was going to interrupt you and go, okay. So if I'm an executive, I probably tuned out after the first sentence. Really? Um, too, it's too raunchy. It's 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 who's going to go? Who's your audience? Well, here's the selling point to the movie. Before I answer that question. <laughs> It costs nothing to make. You need like one semi, like it all costs money to make. Oh, but even if even if it's a million dollars, somebody's got to fund one million dollars. Who's the audience? Teenagers who like that raunchy humor. Teenagers don't go to films anymore. Teenagers watch everything on their iPads, their and their iPhones. Netflix. Yep. It's like every show now. The business has changed, man. Every show now is now tailored. The whole 18 to 35 demographic from the networks, gone. It's now 35 to 60, which is why you're seeing so many older type of shows. You're not seeing teenage shows anymore. The teenage shows are all going to right to your to your phone and to your, you know, it's it ain't our world anymore, man. You're you're late 40s, I'm early 50s. It's it ain't our world. So like a it's, um, it's podcasts and and phones and, and you know and you know and it's it's changing. Now it's let me changing. ask you this. Yeah, could that movie have been made in the seventies? Yes, absolutely. Black exploitation, right. absolutely. Well, Fred Williamson's movie, Boss, uh, something or other. Mm -hmm. That's, I got. I just bought the movie poster on eBay. But uh, guys, uh, I can't thank Matt Barry enough. We could talk another few hours, but he We're actually good. has a a fucking family life. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, let's see on Instagram. I am, um, I am Matthew Barry teaches or MB teaches on, on Twitter. I am big mouth Barry. Um, and if you want the website, Matthew Barry teaches.com. Now I don't, uh, I know you uh, got to go, but I'll, I'll say this. I see a lot of acting teachers. I'm like, who the hell is this person? Shouldn't you, if I want to learn how to hit a baseball, I'm, I'm going to go to Tony Gwynn. Right. Uh, you've done it. Uh, you've been 23 years in the business. You've been in big films. You've casted them. You've acted in them. So if you are an actor or a comic who needs to know how to act, this is your guy. I don't get a dollar from this, but he knows what he's talking about. 23 years in the business. He's not some guy who had an, a walk-on role on the Ray Liotta show Smith. That yeah, got just, listen, you go if you go if you go to the website, you'll you'll see all the the uh, the students that have that have broken wide open that are all on series that are working. Um, again, you know, it's like I kind of know my stuff. I'm you know after doing it for so long, I like to think that I do. 
Um, so got, go to have, have fun. I've got a great studio. I only take 14 students per class. Right. So it's not a cattle call. And uh, you know me, I'm anti teaching comedy <laughs> teachers, all that stuff. Uh, if you are going to take an acting class, I recommend Matt's. He didn't ask me to say this, but he actually knows what he's fucking talking about because he's not just studied it. He's done it, which is most teachers don't. So uh, follow Matt. Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Uh, the Kings will uh, will have Matt on after the Kings win the cup so he can eat his words, and yep. we'll uh, talk about Black Ice. I'm still not giving up hope on that movie. It could be on Netflix or something. Jesus Christ, there's worse. Earl Skakel over and out. <laughs> <laughs>